1: Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM streaming live over the internet. archived at nhtalkradio.com, where you can listen day and night, binge listening to all the great archived programs we've had on Off the Record. I'm joined today by Chris Ryan, and we are brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life and the Birches, call 224-9111. Well, Chris Ryan, this was a big past weekend in New Hampshire politics because the New Hampshire Democrats held a state convention. And at the convention, the two Democratic candidates for governor squared off against each other. Molly Kelly, A former state senator from the Keene area and Steve Marchand from the Seacoast uh, squared off and tried to differentiate themselves to the many Democratic activists. I thought you said it was a big weekend. It was a big weekend. Tried to differentiate themselves before a lusty crowd of... Chattering democratic activists and uh, Marshand, uh, of course, had been has been campaigning for it seems like forever. I mean, he campaigned in the last election and uh, didn't didn't wasn't wasn't the nominee. He's a past uh, candidate for uh, Congress and for Senate and served some time as Portsmouth mayor. Um, Did he, his
2: time? Didn't do the crime
1: well i mean he 's done time i don 't know what kind of crimes we 're not even talking about that oh, came, I thought you meant, came out early for, mayor. came yeah. out early for marijuana legalization as a way to bring in revenue to the state of New hampshire um, is a policy oriented guy who 's uh, been working hard in terms of building a grassroots uh, grassroots base. Wants meanwhile, to make New
2: Hampshire a sanctuary state.
1: Well, meanwhile, Senator, former state senator Molly Kelly, a longtime state senator with lots of uh, leadership in the education area, came in uh, much later to the uh, process um, and quickly wrapped up uh, endorsements from all the leading Democratic um, uh, folks. I mean, uh, in 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 the internecine warfare that among Democrats, she's been called the establishment candidate, and Marchand is trying to pitch himself as the rogue rebel outsider, uh, the progressive guy fighting the establishment. But if you take a look at Molly Kelly's record, it's been one of progressive leadership. And who knows if if this whole question about establishment and versus uh, progressives or whatever you might call it is real anyway. Uh, It seems to me to be kind of a uh, PR effort uh, by one or both sides to position themselves in a primary where you're going to have a pretty low turnout Uh, anyway. um, It's mostly activists who are going to be voting uh, in the primary when it comes up in November, uh, in September. Uh, it, then it gives you a two-month sprint against apparently a pretty popular governor who's not abrasive. He seems to be uh, likable enough, as uh, somebody once said on stage <laughs> in a presidential to... debate. He uh, seems to be likable enough. Um, people, uh, you know, pass over the kinds of things that the governor does. Governor Sununu, who recently vetoed two important pieces of energy legislation that could have moved the state forward. Um, so there are lots of issues around that. Uh, but the Democrats are relatively unknown. Both Molly Kelly and Steve Marshand don't have great name recognition. Molly Kelly has raised um, something like uh, close to half a million dollars. Steve Marshand has raised a little over $100,000. But only
2: has i believe twenty thousand on hand that's right but, um and
1: while and while look in, in political terms um uh, you know i'm i'm in favor of campaign finance reform and i and i i don't think you can you can you, you ought to measure the the strength of people's policy and intellect um, and experienced by the amount of money they raised, let's face it. the amount of money you raise is some indication of the strength of your campaign and your ability to communicate one way or another, but your ability to communicate with the with the people you want to represent.
2: Not even that just hiring people and having um, you know a decent enough staff in order to uh, execute any sort of get out the vote efforts and push that. That messaging, let alone doing any sort of paid media, whether it's uh, radio, uh, d- TV, or, or digital. Um, yeah, I think that, that's, that those numbers are significant. I don't like to base campaigns in their entirety, but you do need to have enough money in order to run an effective campaign. Um, and I'm not sure that Steve Marchand has that uh, at this point in time. Molly Kelly does appear to have uh the appropriate amount of funding but as you referenced there's a significant issue for both of them you said they're both relatively unknown they are unknown to the New Hampshire electorate as a whole they are relatively unknown to democrats uh in the state i mean and i can tell i can
1: tell you this you know it's really odd i mean as, uh, as my listeners know and you know i served in the us congress i ran unsuccessfully in 2004 Uh, I was not well-funded in 2004, not very well-organized, and there was no big wave. In 2006, on a wave of revulsion about what was going on in Iraq, I I was elected. I was better organized. I had learned a lot. I was a better candidate. Um, I was able to raise money and uh, gain the backing of the National Democratic Party through the uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which came in and bought a huge amount of airtime in Boston without anybody knowing. And in the last uh, ten days, pounded the airwaves with ads in my favor. Um, so so. in in terms of the the behind-the-scenes practice of politics, um, uh, money is important, but name recognition is really important, Um, and especially in a state like New Hampshire, where I know we think of ourselves as a very informed, very involved electorate. I'm not so sure that's really true, that that people in New Hampshire pay any more attention than anybody anywhere else do to elections, and especially down-ballot elections yeah. um, that that aren't the presidential election.
2: I agree. I mean, I think that the New Hampshire primary is different. I feel that that is kind of um, ingrained in our state and that individuals come out to the meetings and there's there's people that gather and that then the electorate ends up being you know, fairly large uh, for that, around 75, 70%. Uh, voter turnout, 70 percent. You know, voter turnout for that. But the other races, I don't feel. I feel that New Hampshire is more politically engaged than other states, um, just because of the proximity and the amount of individuals that are elected officials. I mean, you're just about guaranteed to know somebody who is a member of the New Hampshire House because there are so many of them. Um, so I do feel there is more engagement than other states, but I don't feel like New Hampshire is like this. Um, you know, oasis of political. Activity and knowledge, where everyone is, you know, knows as much about, um, you know, who's running for governor as they do who's playing shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. That's not the case. Um, there is a degree of interest, uh, but that degree is very limited.
1: So it puts an
2: awful lot
1: of uh, pressure on candidates to establish their name sure. recognition, and that, frankly, takes a huge amount of money. Right. I mean, I can tell you that. That that I, I you know I now served um, 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 eight years ago um, nine years ago to you know I I ended my service in two thousand eleven so okay seven years ago, but my name recognition as a result of four or five years four years of service six years of campaigning um, and maybe doing the radio show I, of I don't course. know what but my name recognition I walk around and 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 people still you know come up to me all the time um to talk to me and tell me they supported me and in fact they they're a lot nicer to me now than they were when i was in office because you know when i was in office i instantly became on the dole and i was you know i was good for nothing but now that i'm gone people miss me but my point is that name and face recognition from spending years and millions of dollars and millions of dollars uh, matter. I mean, I, when people say, gee, I recognize you, I, I'm not sure where from. I say, well, five years, you know, six years of television will do that, Right. Um, uh, even for people. So for the Democratic candidates, who, whichever one is the candidate, Molly Kelly or Steve Marchand, the, uh, the challenge of achieving name recognition is going to be very significant.
2: Not, and that is significant in itself, but then you have to consider overtaking a popular governor. And um, that is a heavy lift because you have to first establish who you are and have people have some idea who you are. Then you have to establish the credibility to um, to be able to knock Sununu and to be taken seriously while also trying to build yourself. There's a lot of multifaceted pieces there, and what's important for... Um, Molly Kelly or Steve Marchand is to also have the support of outside groups, and the more, more, and more um, entities like the Cook Report or whatever that come in and say, you know, New Hampshire is, for, you know, leaning or is indicating that it is going to reelect Chris Sununu, the less likely that money is to come here and to go to um, to other places. So this is a heavy, heavy lift for either of the Democratic candidates to knock off. So, you know, that being said, it's going to be close. Uh, elections of this nature are always close in New Hampshire. I'm talking about 5 6%. Um, and, you know, depending on conditions, uh, depending on what happens with the Mueller investigation, depending on what happens with the economy, I mean, we're still a long ways off from uh, from Election Day. And there are issues here on the ground which could take hold as well. Uh, the 19% increase um, uh, for Eversource ratepayers. Um, coupled with uh, you know Sununu vetoing the solar energy um, legislation. So there, there are issues out there that can um, be problematic, but I think that Sununu has done a really good job of becoming known as governor and um, going to all the events and creating a feeling amongst voters that they know him and that he is fighting for them and for New Hampshire, and that may allow for him to overcome you know, various conditions that the election will bring. One of the things
1: that uh, I'm really interested in, uh, in noting is that we have 400 seats in our state legislature. Democrats have filed... Uh, to fill 383 of those seats. That is a record, and that shows an awful lot of energy on the ground for Democrats, while Republicans have only filed in 333 seats. That means a 50-seat gap going into the election in who's on the ballot. So this may be a very unsettled year for Republicans, uh, and Democrats need to work hard. They need to organize. They need to knock on doors. And they're going to need to fight hard to get the message out when the time comes and it's going to come on the ground uh, because I don't think there's you can use enough media and raise enough money in the state to do it by media. You're going to need to have an army going door to door. This is Paul Hodes. It's off the record on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with a conversation with Ambassador George Bruno about immigration, legal and illegal, in the United States and New Hampshire. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the internet, archived for your binge-listening pleasure at nhtalkradio.com, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living facility designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. Well, I'm very honored to be joined by a special guest. uh, Ambassador George Bruno, um, now working uh, as an attorney in Manchester, New Hampshire, specializing in immigration matters, uh, was the United States ambassador to the idyllic country of Belize in the 1990s, and uh, then worked uh, at the Pentagon uh, overseeing. Uh, the transfer of the Panama Canal, and uh, has been back in New Hampshire working on matters relating to immigration. George, Mr. Ambassador, welcome to Off the Record.
0: Greetings. Thank you.
1: Well, it's nice to have you here. Um, We are uh, in what I think is a continuing crisis of morality uh, in this country. Um, I want to talk to you, not surprisingly, about immigration Um, What is wrong with the system, why it's not working, uh, what the Trump administration has done with its horrific and intentional policy of using children as pawns uh, to uh, attempt to deter uh, immigration into this country, um, and the impacts of the Trump administration's policies in New Hampshire so there's a a lot to cover uh, in not a lot of time, but uh how did we get here, George, Mr. Ambassador? How did we get to this place in american history
0: we've been struggling with immigration reform for more than twenty five years uh, uh, most memorably uh, when there was some momentum during the Bush administration. Uh, uh, George W. Bush tried to uh, uh, enact a, a guest worker program. Uh, a Democratic Congress turned it down. Uh, and then uh, uh, then there was uh, uh, an initiative by uh, Orrin Hatch and Ted Kennedy to do something about it uh, back uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, and then... Uh, uh, and then following that, there was the Gang of Eight, uh, uh, a, a compromise package uh, put together by um, members of Congress. That didn't go anywhere. And so we find ourselves in this predicament now with uh, uh, 11 million undocumented immigrants living in the United States, 800,000 of uh, 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 DACA's, uh, uh, young people, dreamers uh, living uh, with a question mark uh, in the United States as to whether they can stay, and then uh, then we have the border crisis today. Uh, you know, with uh, unaccompanied children and uh, the uh, separation of parents and children, it's uh, it's 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 a horrendous situation and. And, uh, of course, uh, characterizing it all is the total uh, absence of leadership by members of Congress. So Donald Trump got
1: elected um, in 2016 uh, with his cry of build the wall, build the wall, Mexico will pay for
0: the wall. Yeah, Levitt, let me just say something about that. Building the wall is not an immigration policy. It's not a policy. It's a a wall. It's not a policy. It's not a way of treating people or solving the problem that we have in the United States.
1: Well, I mean, the idea was, I guess, that if you build a wall strong enough, tall enough, high enough, sharp enough, bad enough, kind of like, what they did in East Berlin to separate the two walls. You got guard towers and guns and dogs and you'd shoot people and why that would uh, stop the flow. Um, What's surprising to me is to find out that statistically uh, illegal immigration at the southern border is actually down from its height and it has been falling pretty steadily. The Obama administration uh, carried out some pretty tough policies Very on, tough. on illegal
0: immigration. Uh, he became known uh, in the immigrant community as the deporter in chief. Yeah, uh, and so you not only have uh, uh, the the flow north uh, over the Mexican border uh, uh, statistically down and reduced. You have a uh, a north to south flow that uh, that sees Mexicans and other Central American uh, uh, immigrants going back to their homelands. So it's a reverse flow that we see now. The idea of building a wall at a cost of $25 billion uh, doesn't make a lot of sense when you consider uh, the cost-benefit analysis and what that $25 billion could be put to. to Uh, enhance American society. So, New Hampshire is a state that uh,
1: apparently cares a lot about immigration policy. We have a border in New Hampshire with a foreign country, Canada. Um, Now, I haven't heard of Canadian authorities... um, Uh, Running checkpoints in Canada. I haven't heard about Canadian authorities uh, arresting people and separating families. I haven't heard uh, about an immigration crisis in Canada. Uh, There certainly is a flow of people back and forth across our northern border. What's your sense of where people in New Hampshire
0: are about? the issue of immigration, what, what a... So, so, for the second time this year, within uh, basically a one-month period, first on Memorial Weekend, and then most recently on Father's Day, uh, the Customs and Border Protection set up roadblocks on Interstate 93. Uh, on uh, the first occasion, I think they arrested 17 persons uh, who are undocumented, and most recently on Father's Day, they arrested six. Uh, they had uh, this, this weekend-long uh, roadblock, and incidentally, the roadblock applies to everyone. Whether you're American citizens or whether you're undocumented, uh, you're stuck there on the highway until you're inspected. Uh, and, uh, and notably, it's 90 Woodstock, where they were conducting the uh, inspections, were is 93 miles from the uh, Canadian border. Uh, so theoretically, I mean, people could have already been in the United
1: States traveling traveling south on the highway. But they didn't come over from Canada. They, they, didn't,
0: they didn't come over from Canada. And, uh, and of course, uh, as I said, uh, the roadblock affects American citizens. You have to declare uh, your citizenship uh Uh, after you're inspected uh, standing outside your car on on Route 93. Uh, uh, CBP, Customs and Border Protection, has jurisdiction up to 100 miles of an international border. Uh, Translating that, what it means is that uh, this uh, little-known agency, CBP, has jurisdiction over 200 million American citizens in the United States, uh, measuring 100 miles uh, uh, around the circumference of the United States from an international border, whether that's Canada, Mexico, the Atlantic, or the Pacific. Uh, And and so we've come to the point where... uh, These federal agents can stop uh, Americans on the highway and say, show me your papers. And uh, they're... That used to be... I mean, look, when I was a kid growing up,
1: in the wake of World War II, it used to be a terrible and bad kind of humorous joke where we'd play World War II, and whoever was playing the Nazis would say, show me your papers. Right. And that was... Um, and then
0: it became the communists. And Show then it me became the communists. Show me your papers. Right. And now it's us. And now it and now it's us. Uh, I don't ever remember them, uh, though, uh, uh, separating uh, parents from their children. Though. Well, that look. If
1: I'm, tell me if I'm incorrect, but I understand that that is a policy that was instituted by the Trump uh, administration. It was a, a, a part of their zero-tolerance program to not simply uh, hold and deport people who came in illegally, but to charge everybody who came in illegally, uh, criminally, with a misdemeanor. And this policy of zero-tolerance uh, was, uh, was sp- according at least to, to a, the Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, Ripping children from their parents, uh, including as uh, Congresswoman Custer uh, uh, talked about in the Concord Monitor today, um, incidents where five and six-month-old breastfeeding babies were taken from their mothers' breasts by federal agents. That policy was designed by the Trump administration to deter illegal Immigration using children, separating families, inhumane, obscene, Nazi-like tactics. Using that as a deterrence to solve a problem that where the statistics show a declining number of people coming in illegally.
0: So you have to ask yourself, where is the leadership in Congress to solve this problem? Uh, it uh, it's largely been MIA. Uh, there doesn't seem to be uh, anything moving. Uh, You hear a lot of talk, but you see so little action. Why? Why can't they get it together? Why, Why isn't
1: immigration a bipartisan issue? Why isn't uh, solving the, the issue of those who are here illegally bipartisan, solving the DREAMers, a bipartisan issue, and certainly dealing with the inhumane recent events, a bipartisan issue. But, you
0: know, it's not only uh, a problem with illegal immigration, it's a problem with legal immigration. It has become more expensive. The fees are up in the many hundreds of dollars to file a petition, and some of them are thousands of dollars. Uh, The length of time that it now takes to process uh, these petitions is uh, growing longer and longer. If you want to bring uh, your spouse that you've married in Europe to the United States, it takes almost a year. uh, Fifteen years ago, it used to take just a couple of months, but but now it's a year. I have a client in Manchester who works at a uh, Catholic Medical Center uh, who uh, uh, came to the United States from Afghanistan. She's an American citizen. She married uh, an Afghan with an advanced degree uh, and... Uh, uh, she's been waiting two and a half years for her husband. He's been caught in something called administrative processing. His, uh, his application has been approved, but his visa has not been issued. For the past 16 months, he's been in this never-never uh, land of the State Department's uh, uh, policy of uh, called administrative processing. And nobody knows what it means, and nobody... Uh, knows when a decision is going to be made, and nobody knows who's making the decisions. Uh, So we have a problem with uh, illegal immigration for sure, but we also have uh, a serious problem with legal immigration. Take, for example, uh, uh, the fact that New Hampshire has, what, 2.8% unemployment. Right. We can't, our businesses can't find enough people to fill the jobs that are vacant in our state whether you're a factory whether you're a, a, a hotel whether you're a a, a camp a farm uh, you can't find uh, enough enough people uh, to 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 uh, you know help run your business so what are we doing ice out of manchester on chestnut street is running around the state arresting factory workers it's it's uh, it's a, it's a uh, arresting uh, cabinet makers people that have been here 15 20 25 years with no criminal records paying taxes pack uh, paying taxes and deporting them we're talking to ambassador george
1: bruno an immigration attorney and former ambassador to the country of belize uh, ambassador for the United States, about immigration, illegal and legal. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on wKxLAm and FM, streaming live over the internet, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment with more of an interesting discussion with Ambassador George Bruno. Don't go away. It's off the record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet, archived for your binge listening pleasure at NH Talk Radio. Dot com and brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. Well, Mr. Ambassador, before the break, we were, we were talking about the problems, uh, the pitfalls and the perils of uh, both the history and the current situation with the immigration system in this country. We've got um, a crisis provoked by the uh, Trump administration, a humanitarian and moral crisis of separating children from their uh, families. Um, The children are being lost in the bureaucratic morass of failure of various bureaus responsible for implementing policy and keeping track of these kids to find them. There are horrendous and heart-wrenching stories of parents who can't find their children. Apparently, when the system is was set up, you make a call, you have to wait an hour. Let's say you're a parent who's been detained, your child separated, you make a call, uh, you are You have to hold for an hour, which is nearly impossible if you're in a detention facility. Then if you get anybody or a message, it says we'll call you back in three or four days. And of course, you can't really get calls in the detention facilities. Children are being scattered around the country. Uh, Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon uh, today apparently is filing a bill in the U.S. Senate to try to speed up uh, reunification. President Trump issued an executive order backing down uh, from his separation policy uh, after a a global outcry of moral outrage. Uh, And apparently under his new policy, the entire families are going to be now arrested and kept in what are essentially internment camps, which remind us of the savage and obscene policy we had in World War II. It reminds me of German... Uh, concentration camps. It reminds me of the Soviet gulag. Um, The tactics that American federal agents have employed are redolent with Nazi stormtroopers as Jews got off the trains um, on their way to death camps separating the children. You think of Sophie's Choice and Meryl Streep. The the depth of outrage about this inhumane policy which is being done in our name as Americans is beyond words. I cannot convey the sickness in the pit of my stomach I feel in this beautiful land of ours where so many of us enjoy the blessings of living in this country to know that in our name, these kinds of policies have been enacted. And when President Trump goes to rallies, still people cry, build the wall, build the wall, build the wall, as we discussed. That does nothing to solve the immigration issues, legal or illegal. Now, I know that that your practice is wide and varied and probably booming, unfortunately, although I would never wish you uh, a lack of business as an attorney, far be it from me to ever do that. Uh, the fact that i'm sure your business is being inundated as an- attor- immigration attorney um I- in new hampshire uh is uh is certainly a bellwether of what's going on. I know that you have some specific stories of some of what's happening right here in our state that people probably don't know about what What kinds of stories can you tell us about what's happening? in New Hampshire, to productive citizens who have been here.
0: Uh, what's what's going on? First of all, uh, I've been practicing immigration law for maybe 20 years now, 18 years. And uh, the immigration system has, with its uh, combination of USCIS, which is the United States Citizenship and uh, Immigration Services, CBP, which is uh, Customs and Border Protection, and then ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. These have become uh, taking the place of the IRS, the most reviled agencies in American society today. And what, what characterizes uh, U.S.C.I.S., and particularly ICE, is the fact that uh, you can't talk to them. Uh, they're, they're, particularly U.S.C.I.S., their decisions are almost anonymous. Uh, when uh, you write them a letter, uh, they may or may not write back. So uh, you wait 30 days wondering are they going to write back or not write back, uh, inquiring about the fate of a, a person with uh, an immigration petition. Uh, if, uh, if they write back, uh, there is no name on the letter. There is no telephone number. There is no email. Uh, so you don't exactly know who you're dealing with or who's making decisions. If you if you try to follow up, you don't know who to follow up with because uh, there, there's uh, no identifiable decision maker on the on the immigration decision. So it's a deplorable system, uh, and uh, it, it's extremely uh, anonymous and uh, in many uh, cases inhumane. Uh, I I I'm affiliated with uh, two institutions at this point. One is uh, Mesa Law in uh, Manchester, in which uh, we do the day-to-day work of uh, of immigration law. We uh, uh, we visit the federal lockup uh, at the uh, Stratford County Jail, which is the lockup for immigrant. Uh, a persons arrested on uh, immigration uh, violations for Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. So we do deportation defense. Uh, we do uh, family-based uh, petitions, and uh, lately we've been doing a lot of uh, asylum cases. Uh, in addition, I'm affiliated with uh, uh, attorney Bob McDaniel in Meredith, Uh, uh, together in an organization called uh, uh, International Resources Group in which uh, we are challenging a number of uh, uh, actions by ICE deporting persons who we think shouldn't be deported and who we believe ICE is violating uh, not only the law but the U.S. Constitution. Uh, Recently we represented a Man living in Nashua from Brazil, uh, people living uh, or in the Manchester or or receiving a copy of the uh, Manchester Union leader will recognize a headline uh, that uh, read uh, uh, Ice Deport's grandfather of two and uh, indeed this is a man who had been, uh, living in the United States for 25 years, he was a cabinet maker. Uh, he paid his taxes, had no criminal record. Uh, he has an American citizen daughter. She was sponsoring him for uh, a green card. He was months away from receiving his green card. In other words, you you often hear uh, uh, Paul the. Uh, uh, the phrase. Well, why don't they just get online and become legal? Well, that's exactly what this fellow was doing. He got online. Uh, he uh, uh, will uh, uh, will receive his green card, but unfortunately, he's already out of the country and uh, can't come back for ten years because of uh, of a bar that uh, uh, that serves as a penalty for persons who. Uh, either overstayed their visa or uh, came into the United States with documentation. Uh, And so you have uh, 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 grandchildren deprived of the uh, company of their grandfather. You also have uh, a cabinet uh, manufacturing uh, business in in, uh, Nashua that has lost a very valuable employee. Uh, and uh will not be able to find a replacement for that person anytime soon so isn't there isn't there
1: some procedure to to review what has happened isn't there i mean this is America there must be some uh, court procedure that as attorneys you can go to to seek redress uh, if, if not on the purely legal grounds, on equitable grounds uh, that would uh, review the history that we have about this person and his
0: contributions to American society.
1: Here's the, here's the
0: curious part of that. We went to uh, the U.S. District Court, the federal court in Concord, uh, to request equitable relief and was told that the court did not have jurisdiction did not have jurisdiction under something called the real id act which has which many people think as a driver's license uh, piece of legislation uh, uh, that uh, requires states to produce licenses for people to get on uh, airplanes and, and other transportation. Right, Peg- but, it, but yeah. it contains a provision that bars uh, federal courts from taking cases of of, uh, of, of immigration deportation
1: so uh wait a second wait a second wait a second wait i'm trying to wrap my brain around this um my 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 dear wife pego just went to get her license renewed and she had to deal with the real id issue so she said okay i guess i you know if that's what's going to be required i'm a good citizen i'll simply sign up for this real id i do recall that when i was in congress uh, we had a lot of pushback about the real ID issue. As uh, New Hampshire uh, legisl representing New Hampshire, I took a pretty firm stance that this seemed to be an overreach at the time. I wasn't aware of a provision of, of any provision in real ID at that time that would prevent federal courts from reviewing these kinds of matters. From
0: reviewing deportation orders, yeah. yes, there, there is such a provision. And uh, uh, and, and so uh, we were referred to uh, uh, the uh, Board of Immigration Appeals in Falls Church, Virginia, uh, that had uh, uh, theoretically jurisdiction over the matter, but it turns out that the board only deals with administrative matters and does not have equity jurisdiction. So it couldn't uh, uh, slow down or do anything uh, to prevent uh, this person from being deported. Uh, Very regrettable. I can tell you of other cases. Uh, well, we're probably we're running <laughs> we unfortunately we
1: we're we're out of time uh, for
0: with today. With a similar resolution. <laughs> Mr. Or lack in- of. We
1: we've been talking with George Bruno, former United States ambassador to Belize, uh, former senior official uh, working on the transfer of the Panama Canal in the Pentagon in Washington D.C., um, a practicing immigration attorney with Uh, reams of stories about issues about immigration. Uh, We're talking about this in light of the recent uh, issues about separating families at our southern border and the moral outrage that has accompanied that, as well as our broken immigration system. Mr. Ambassador, thanks for joining us. We'll have you back. Thank you. Uh, This is a subject that is not going away anytime soon, and it really deserves an awful lot of examination. I've learned a lot from our conversation today. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure, and brought to you by The Birches at Concord. New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAMNFM. fm Don't go away. We'll be back to wrap up after this. We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAMNFM, and FM streamed live over the internet brought to you by the Birches at Concord. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, New Hampshire's first assisted living community for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Well, what a show it was. Chris Ryan and I talked about the prospects for the Democrats in the upcoming elections. Chris and I are both a little uncertain whether or not Democrats can take the governor's office. And we had a very, very emotional talk with Ambassador George Bruno about issues facing immigrants and refugees here in the United States and the inhumane policies of the Trump administration ripping children away from the breasts of their mothers. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXL AM and FM. Thanks to our sponsor, The Birches at Concord. Thanks to all our listeners. We'll be back next week with more Off the Record with Paul Hodes.